Gentlemen, we went over the rules in the dressing room. I want to caution you to keep this fight clean at all times, and what I say you must obey. Live from the WKOM studio in downtown Columbia, it's time to wake up and get woke. It's three dudes with a view. Let's get it all! Welcome in Southern Middle Tennessee. My name is Del Kennedy. I am dude number three. It's another January dreary, bleary Monday morning. So dark that the street lights are on here in downtown Columbia. Uh, there's a lot going on in and around Southern Middle Tennessee. Uh, if folks, if you haven't noticed, there's something going on with the price of gas. I uh, just noticing driving around yesterday and today, the price of gas it gets as low as two ninety nine and as high as three forty seven. Uh, so you may want to look up there and see what the price is before you pull into the pump. I saw all of those between here and my house. I saw two ninety nine and I saw three forty nine. So it, it's it's bizarre. All right, and everybody wants to talk about what happened down in Memphis. This fellow getting beat to death, and it, it was it was a bad thing for sure. But uh, we're going to put that off till tomorrow, I think. And uh, and uh, it, it brings a lot of interesting questions, I think, about uh, society and how it views these kind of things. And it's also a tragedy for sure. Uh, that is not a great thing. Dude number two, Clayton Harris, how you doing? Doing well, Del. Good morning, everybody. Dude number one, happy Monday, Mr. York. Good morning, Del. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, listening audience. <laughs> Stay home if you don't have to go anywhere. All right. And regular special guest, dude, Carrie Powers, how are you? Excellent. Happy Monday. All right. Happy Monday. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I can hear you now. You, you may, <laughs> yeah, I, we can hear you. Um, regular uh, friend of the station, uh, somebody we always enjoy having, keeps us updated on what's going on in the legislature, which is in session now, folks. Representative Scott Specky, how you doing? Good morning, everybody. All right, let's see. You had uh, three bills that you wanted to talk about that are pending in the legislature <clears throat> right now. And let's let's start on those, and then maybe talk about some other things. That is correct. So the uh, General Assembly has concluded their organizational part, and now we're in the the committee sp- uh, part has opened up. Uh, in committee tomorrow, there'll be three bills. I just want to let everybody know that are there. A couple of them are going to be very uh, um, publicized. The first bill I have up there is tomorrow in criminal justice. It's House Bill Three by one of our local um, um, health care providers, Chandler Anderson, about the assaults that are happening on health care workers. Currently, the law only covers the escalation of, of assault and battery on a nurse. And we're going to expand that to include all health care providers, so doctors, uh, nurses, x-ray techs, uh, phlebotomists, people that come in to help people uh, in the hospitals, to ERs, to clinics that are there to help people. If you uh, if you are assault them and the district attorney seems to hit you with the escalation, it'll be a, a Class A misdemeanor, uh, $5,000 fine, and a, max, and, and a minimum of 30 days incarcerated. So we are getting serious about protecting the people that are there to provide help for people when they are injured so that's yep. that's the first bill and and scott we are kawanians and uh scott and i are and we had a presentation from the security department at uh, murray regional friday at our Qantas club luncheon meeting and uh folks you you may not know this but they've uh, murray regional has 18 security officers around mm-hmm. uh, the clock security service and I believe three K9 units four K9 units 
um, and they do have problems, uh, particularly the ER seems to be uh, a hot bed of, you know, the emotions are running high. Uh, people have been traumatized, and the ER particularly seems to be a place where trouble occurs, as well as the mental health unit. Well, we have a lot of these walk-on, walk-in clinics all over the place, right? and so people are coming in off the street, they're looking for help, they're looking for drugs, they're looking for treatment, and when uh, when some of these healthcare providers have to tell them, no, you're not going to get your drugs, uh, the scene escalates and gets violent, and these people are getting, are getting assaulted, and so uh, hopefully we can get this passed to make sure that we put additional protections in for these healthcare providers yeah i mean the the point i mean the i think that uh presentation by murray regional security drove home the point that uh there's a problem here next bill up is uh in criminal justice also this will go after mine so i'll be out of there before the uh Uh, all the action takes place. But uh, House Bill 9 by Representative Todd out of Jackson, they had an issue last year where one of these um, uh, drag queen cabaret-type tile shows was permitted for their their, uh, uh, city park. And there were families out there in the city park that were uh, exposed to this. I guess there's a bad word there. uh, That were uh, able to see this 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 cabaret style type promotion, and so um, we are going to restrict those to where. Well, the bill is to restrict those to where if they if a minor can view those, they would be prohibited. They would have to be put in a situation where minors minors cannot view these these uh, cabaret type t- style shows. So that'll be interesting to see how that ebbs and flows uh, on Tuesday also. And then the uh, last one up is the big one that uh, got filed. It was uh, House Bill One. Uh, that's by uh, Leader Lamberth and Leader Johnson about Vanderbilt and the gender-affirming or reaffirming surgeries. Uh, that will be up in committee on on um, on Tuesday also. That one will, will go in civil justice, and that will prohibit those type of surgeries, those type of transitional therapies to minors. They will not be allowed to have that in the state of Tennessee. So that will be hitting uh, the uh, committee on Tuesday. Those are the three big ones. There is one ancillary bill that I've seen that has gotten filed. I could not find the bill number. Uh, Two years ago, I carried a bill for the speakers about allowing local parties to partisan our school board. There is a bill right now being floated to allow local, um, local, um, 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 help me out, guys. Uh, the local parties, local parties, uh, to the local political party, the Republicans or the Democrats, or the Democrats, Republicans or Democrats, to call for partisan municipal elections. And okay. so that would mean the city of Columbia, city of Spring Hill, city of Mount Pleasant. Those could be deemed as partisan elections uh, by the local party if they so choose. They don't have to, but if they choose to, they can be. So I, I know Mr. York's probably got some questions ready to go. Uh, that'll change the landscape for sure. Go ahead, Mr. York. Well, I was going to say, you know, it, it, it's pathetic that we've gotten down to whether you got a D or R behind your name <laughs> to look toward good government. I mean, it's it's just pathetic that you all push that kind of stuff well, and, 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 and sanction it as, as something that's good for governing, something that's good for democracy. I don't see, you know, if a person's good, whether he's a Democrat or Republican, and people want him to be in an elected office, they can elect him without putting all this, you know, and, and, and when you put a D and an R, it means that people are not educating themselves anyway. You, you're dumbing down the electorate. Well, the bill, Mr. York, would provide more voter transparency to the people that are running. Most of your school board members and lower 
uh, 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 tier, I guess your your counties and your cities, um, they don't have to normally raise the money that your state or federal officers have to raise to be able to advertise on radio shows, put out flyers to people, get out information. If you don't happen to run across them on the square or at a, at a, a fish fry, then you're walking in there blind, Mr. York. And what we're trying to do is give the parties the avi- ability to say, this is someone that if you don't get a chance to meet them, these, this is the type of, of, of way you can expect them to hopefully vote for you when they're on those boards. That's all it does. It's just, a vote of, uh, I guess, voter awareness and voter transparency. That's all. Yeah, but we, we have a problem for voters in, in general. There's a low turnout. Murray County last election cycle was a low turnout. Uh, the, the midterm was a low turnout. And and I think you, you get people fed up with a D, an R. What's the use? I don't like either one of them. I'm not even voting. So, you know, that just makes it harder for people to be informed. And and like I say, you're dumbing down the electorate when people just go into election and pull a D, an R. They don't know the person that's there. They don't know the qualities. They don't know the character. Look at that debacle up in New York. Just crazy. You know, well, well I, w- I would agree with you. The debacle up in New York is run by Democrats. And mm-hmm. I think uh, in Tennessee, one of the reasons why we've been so successful over the last decade and going on decade and a half is because of it matters who leads. And in the state Well, of- I'm talking about Santos. The, the, he, he lied from Jump Street, still lying, and nobody wants to challenge him. You know, that that's part of having a, an election that people know what's going on. It's kind of like uh, the Blumenthal guy that, you know, claimed he was in Vietnam and, and wasn't, but he's still getting elected up in, was it Connecticut? Well, it, so. well, like I said, this bill is just to make sure that the average voter who doesn't know these people would have an idea of, of you know, which way they might lean on, on, on education issues, on spending issues, on taxation issues. And so it's, it's just to bring some clarity. But like I said, it's not mandatory. The local parties have the option to call it if they so choose. And, and if I remember right, uh, in the last election, the Democrats and Republicans both participated in the primary. So Yeah. I mean, Mr. York is uh, Tim Scott, Republican, African-American, U.S. Senator from South Carolina. Is is he a, a, a good fellow uh, doing a good job in the U.S. Senate? I don't see him being functional. He's he's being told what to do, so he he hasn't put a bill up that that's credible at all. So I mean, the reason but, you don't like he got him. reelected because he had R behind his name. So, so he's the, one of the leading people in getting energy money from oil companies. Also, you know. So, yeah. so Mr. York, you would want to make sure that Mr. Scott was identified as a Republican, so your good Democrats wouldn't go vote for him, right? Well, yes, you know, he's in the Republican Party. You know, everybody knows he's a Republican. Oh. Oh. So those are the things that are up there. Just to let you know, the incident that happened, the horrible incident we all saw on Friday uh, that was released, uh, uh, TBI has now stepped in. They're going to be leading that investigation. Uh, and so uh, I'm sure they will get to the bottom of this. And, and um, there is no there is no part for that in our police force. I tell you, uh, I, I, I heard something about that situation that the Memphis police had actually lowered their job requirements for police officers. It used to be you would have to have an associate's degree or 56 hours of college credit, mm-hmm. uh, and then they, they waived that and no, lo- no longer have it. And uh, uh, I, I think a couple of those officers fell into that newly hired position based on them changing that qualification, mm-hmm. education Most qualification. Most of those... So let- Ahead, That's Mr. a lot of cities across America that have changed qualifications, but I think they ought to keep the qualifications higher. But 
when you're in need of someone to police your area, be on the streets, and you look at the qualifications, then sometimes you have to make adjustments to those qualifications based on the need. There's a shortage of teachers, there's a shortage of officers, there's a shortage of a lot of different professionals are supposed to be professionals out there, and people are doing whatever they need to try to put someone in a seat or in a car. Well, that <clears throat> that's true, Mr. York. See, I spent two years down in Memphis. It's been a long time, 1989 and 90, as a, an assistant public defender and uh, worked closely with Memphis police and sheriffs in that capacity. And frankly, many times uh, I didn't see much difference in the officers and the criminals I was representing. And Memphis has just got a lot of problems uh, and always have. Well, that's a lot of police forces across. There's bad cops in, in, in a lot of them. And the blue code won't allow the city and the municipalities to deal with it. They they cry strike. They do all kind of destructive things. One thing that I observed, I didn't see the union jump into the aid of these particular five officers. And it looked like all the incidents that's happened across this country, they always jump into the middle of the fray. So I, I was wondering about that. You know, the, I don't know, Mr. George. Just seeing the <clears throat> video, though, you know, I if they wanted, if their intention was to kill the guy, they would have done it when he jumped up and ran off when he had he was surrounded by all five. They, they could have shot him. It was just a terrible. But, but Clayton, it, it, the, there, there was the no a, there was the no leadership of among those five officers. Nobody took control. They allowed the, job the, of the police is to apprehend. They let the judges and they couldn't apprehend. They couldn't even apprehend correctly. I mean, they had the guy well, down, then the he got up way. and he ran off. I mean, it. it well, well, you're getting beat. What's what's two uh, two reactions happen when you're threatened? You're threatened. When we come, you fight or either there's flight. When we come back, I'd like to ask Miss Powers what she thinks about her thoughts on the health care pr- protection bill we're running. Let's do it. Let's take a break. And come back. Motor Sales is our area's premier GMC dealership. Their lot at 919 Nashville Highway has an impressive selection of GMC vehicles, trucks from the light-duty GMC Canyon to the Sierra 3500 Heavy Duty, and everything in between. GMC's SUVs are impressive with the Terrain, Acadia, and Yukon. Want luxury? Ask about Denali upgrades. Go to ParksMotorSales.com for information and see their awesome offers and services. Parks Motor Sales, GMC. We are professional. Grade. Hello, I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. You may have heard our previous commercials about compression hosiery that we carry at Holland's Pharmacy. Well, we've recently expanded into a full line of knee braces, back, wrist, ankle, and other support wear. We will gladly help you get just the right fit for these items and, of course, special order items to ensure the proper fit. Come see us at Holland's Pharmacy, 1608 Hatcher Lane, or call us at 931-388-4233. 388-4233. Hi, I'm Steve, the Garbage Man. A while back, I told you a story about Packer, our mascot, that Don found in the garbage truck after someone had thrown her out. Well, since then, I've been asked several times about Packer. Is she a dog or is she a cat? 
I guess I never thought to say, but she's a pit bull mix. And you can see a picture of her sitting in the driver's seat of Don's service truck on our website, garbagemaninc.com. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard, so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the stair that only creaks when everyone else in the house is asleep. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Hello, my name is Connor Mims. My wife Bradley and I live in Columbia, Tennessee in Riverside. I am a deck and porch builder and my wife is a second grade teacher at Riverside Elementary. My specialty is designing and building elegant and comfortable porches and decks. Let me work with you to design and build the porch or deck of your dreams. Give us a call today from our website, MimsModernLandscape.com. That's MimsModernLandscape.com and check out what we have to offer. Thanks. Hello, this is John McEwen with McEwen Group Real Estate, located at 17A Public Square in beautiful downtown Columbia. Our family has over 40 years' experience selling farms, residential, recreational, and all types of real estate here in Middle Tennessee. Check us out online at McEwenGroup.com or on Facebook and Instagram at McEwen Group, or give me a call today at 931-628-1749. McEwen Group, land is your legacy. Welcome back. Three dudes with a view. Walk away, Renee. My name is Del Kennedy. I am dude number three. Dude number two, Clayton Harris. How you doing? I feel like I just traveled in a time portal back to the early 90s with that song. You're going to have to go farther back than that. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, try the 60s. Yeah, that had to be a newer edition, right? Yeah. Okay. Southside Johnny and the Jukes. Yes, sir. Yeah, that might be the early 90s. Um, all right. Dude number one, Mr. Jim York. How are you? Good morning, Del. Good morning, everybody out there in the listening world. All right. Uh, regular special guest dude on Mondays, Carrie Powers. How are you? Excellent. Happy Monday. Happy Monday to you. And our uh, our representative for the – he represents uh, – he's our state representative. He represents the his district, basically includes the city of Columbia and the eastern half of Murray County. Uh, State Representative Scott Sapecki, how you doing? Good morning, everybody. All right, the legislature is in full session. Things are going on. Scott, uh, we are thankful to have you here to keep us updated on what's going on in the legislature. This is the legislative season. Uh, It will probably last till 
May, June, or something like that, and this is when things happen. And so I think most people want to be updated and know what's going on. You've talked about three bills that are coming up this morning, and one of which is uh, a bill to uh, protect health care providers, make assaulting them, of course, uh, an enhanced crime. And uh, Carrie Powers, you are a health care provider. What's your view on that? Um, I am a healthcare provider, Representative Sapicki. I was having some in and out. Will you tell me what you said? If a healthcare provider, will you kind of refresh what you said on that? Sure, absolutely. So House Bill Three, I wasn't able to hear. Not a problem. So Health Health Bill Three, in current code right now, under an escalated uh, a charge of a Class A misdemeanor. fine and a mandatory of 30 days. Emergency responders and nurses are included in that. We're going to take the word nurses out and expand that to healthcare providers to cover your doctors, your nurses, your nurse practitioners, your phlebotomists, your x-ray technicians, people whose job it is is to help people or treat people uh, when they're, when they're sick or, or they need, or they have, or they're injured to prevent them from being uh, assaulted. Right now, uh, 70 74% of the workplace assaults occur in healthcare setting, healthcare settings and right now uh healthcare workers are 20% more likely to be assaulted than uh, other people in the workplace so this is a rising incidence we're seeing a lot of drug issues with this and so we're trying to make sure that to protect the healthcare workers to make sure that we're providing as safe as environment as possible we're giving the latitude to the district attorneys to go for the escalation if if it deems if it if it deems uh, appropriate there you go Gary what do you think okay thank you for thank you well i'm in favor of it i don't want anyone to be assaulted um i do think it is not something that I have experienced. It is not something Reams has experienced in our clinics, our urgent care clinics. We have not, not experienced this, so but apparently it is more of a problem in different settings. So yes, I, I'm in favor of it. I don't want any healthcare worker to be assaulted. I also don't want my bank teller to be assaulted, you know, or anyone. But I'm, I guess this is bringing more attention to it. But I think people. You know, if we're talking people on drugs, I think you're talking about deranged people who may not be informed about this. Just sadly, I think the mental health and drug culture is what's leading to it. And I'm not sure that this being on the books is going to deter those people from being irrational. But I'm glad it's on the books. You know, it's I have no, no I'm definitely not opposed to it. Well, one of the things we're hoping, uh, Carrie, with the 30 days minimum is that they can get into a treatment facility while they're in there and start the process of, of getting the, the, the drug rehabilitation or the mental health supports that they need where outside of this they're not. And so it's, it's a, it's a final escalation to where they cross the line and assault someone that we have to have triggers in place to make sure that, um, it is a corrective action, number one, but number two, it puts them in an environment that they might be able to gain access into these mental health or these drug, drug, uh, uh, addiction, um, um, treatment centers to start the process to get their life turned back around. Hey, Scott, will there be some warning signs posted for uh, the facilities to make sure that those people, you know, those people that do read and Mm -hmm. and understand can be warned uh, ahead of time that there's criminal penalty for 
uh, acting up and doing things because I know I think Chandler had a situation down here in Columbia yes. where uh, a person uh, got an altercation with one of his uh, employees. But should there be a posting uh, around these facilities to make sure to give them the benefit of the doubt that uh, things, if things go awry, that they're going to be criminally penalized for it. And I know that it, it's other people other besides mental, mental ill that are drug people that do visit these facilities and cause a ruckus. Uh, that's a great question. In the bill, it does not require that because that would be a mandatory legislation from the General Assembly. Under bre- best practices, you have gone into establishments where they will they will have a sign on the door that says an assaults on health care workers uh, could carry a, a heavier fine or a heavier uh, um, um, uh, prosecution opportunity in the code. Remember, it's not mandatory that it gets escalated to a Class A. That's at the discretion of, of the district attorney of whether or not that they want to go for the escalation, depending on, I mean, I'm sure that uh, the discretion involved of if you walk in there and you shove somebody, that's going to be a lot different than what happened with Chandler Anderson's incident, where that 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 is, that uh, employee of his basically got beaten by this person that, that wanted their drugs. And so we're trying to give some latitude to the DAs on the flexibility of this, but we have to have this as a tool in their belt to make sure that we send a message here is don't, don't assault the healthcare workers that are here trying to help you. But I think that's even more critical because people in Tennessee can carry firearms in these facilities also. And that's a constitutional right. I am in I favor of... It's a constitutional right, but if they can carry a firearm and they start a ruckus in the place, now what's going to happen? Well, it's going to certainly be escalated. The health care providers need to arm themselves. That's what the answer to that is. Uh, <laughs> that was Del, that was Del so, Kennedy, folks. That, that, is so, that is so out of order. I'm telling you. That's uh, ridiculous. Carrie, you wanted okay. to say something. Well, well I, I love... I mean, this goes... I have the same feeling about this as what we talked about last week, which also fell into the mental health realm. I'm very much in favor of the proposal here. I I think it's a good thing to have on the books. I think the reality is we have a supply and demand issue that we have, you know, if every case of aggression gets, you know, do we have the capacity in the DA's office to really pursue these things? And then do we have the capacity in the treatment facility world and the counseling world to do justice with the third in those 30 days? Truthfully, from boots on the ground, I think we've got some work to do to handle that, to have the capacity for that. Yeah. But you've got to start somewhere. Great. Yeah, Let's yeah. start here. Yeah, I, I agree, Carrie. Uh, and in my experience doing criminal defense, uh, it, it was very difficult to get anybody in a treatment center in, in 30 days uh, and much get in, much less get them out, uh, you know, a complete a program in that amount of time. Uh, but you're right. This is a start, uh, and let's begin. And it's it's a good thing. Uh, a couple of things that, yeah. Well, yeah. Hey, and um, we touched on. Hey, real quick. We yeah, touched, yeah. You touched on Memphis. Um, horrible experience. The horrible tragedy in Memphis. My brother's the new U.S. attorney, assistant U.S. attorney there today. So could you imagine today being your first day in that office, Jock? Well, I don't think the feds are involved in, uh, of course, the assistant U.S. attorney is a federal position. I have not heard about the feds being involved in this, in the Memphis police 
incident and uh i'm i'm I imagine they're pretty glad not to be involved in that. Well, the FBI is involved in it, Delk, already. The, the, well, the, the TBI is. The TBI is what Scott was TBI. On, Tennessee Bureau of Investigation. Uh, and uh, I've not heard anything about the FBI um, or the, the U.S. Attorney's Office in Memphis being involved in it, although typically in these type of things, the FBI will will render assistance to local police officers uh as they may request so um but the the lead the lead prosecutor in this case is the district attorney for shelby county and uh the lead investigative agency is the tennessee bureau of investigation and they they really are not autonomous they 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 work you've got a director of the tbi and and the tbi works uh usually at the request uh of the local district attorney and uh that's usually the way that works uh federal system is a little different um but uh yeah congrats to your brother though i've I've got so i've got uh a good friend working down there is it today is his first day carrie carrie can you hear me it is his first day okay well i've got i can i'll get together can you not hear me it is his first day yeah uh, you seem to be delayed a little bit. The uh, well, I've got a good friend who's in that office. I'll give you his name after we get off the air. Maybe we get the guys together. Uh, it, it's an adventure to say the least. Hey, if, if I could, I'd like to give a shout out to the Department of Safety right now. Yeah. Um, Daniel, my youngest, turned 15, and so he went to get his. Um, he has to take his test to get his learner's permit. Well, we have a new po- a new uh, program at the state of Tennessee to allow you to do that online. Yeah, I saw that. And so uh, on on Saturday night, uh, Daniel sat at the kitchen table, and I proctored his test for him. And it's under video. And so he had to take his test, and he passed it. So if you see a uh, truck out there with a redhead driving it, be careful. It might be Daniel. Uh-oh. Uh, but uh, it, it, was, it's, it worked really efficiently. And then after you pass the test, you print out uh, a document. And it tells you everything you need to take into the Department of Safety and, and how to schedule your appointment. So that, that program seems to be working pretty well. I was kind of curious how it was going to work. And pretty much flawlessly, you download the app onto your, onto your phone. It, you scan in your driver's license front and back. And then uh, you, you leave your camera on that makes sure that you're not giving the student answers. And you sit there right next to him and proctor the test for him. And it took him about maybe 35 minutes and he was done. All right, folks, you parents of teenagers out there who bite. He did that for Richard, too. It works great, doesn't it? It does, but I'd also like to shout out for our local DMV. I have three children that I have three teenagers, and so I've been in there with each of them. I think we have phenomenal people working there. They have always been very kind, polite. Um, so... They deserve to a shout out for a job well done and being very polite and handling the masses. They mm-hmm. do great. Mm-hmm. All right, and hadn't heard that kind of thing very much. So, um, folks out there at the at the motor vehicle testing station, uh, thank you. All right, there's a couple of things. God, what's the what's the update on DCS? Where where are we at on on the children in DCS? Uh, so I talked to uh, Chairman Littleton last week. Uh, Chairman Littleton is the one that's going to head up that committee. Uh, they are getting presentations on the proposals that are going to be in the governor's budget and from DCS, the new commissioner, on how they're going to address that issue. Mr. York, a lot of it's going to come down to money. 
Uh, we're going to have to put more money behind the people that are employed there to make it worthwhile for them to stay. Well, like I said, I think maybe I, I, I get confused. I've talked about this all over the place. One of the things that they lose at DCS because of the high turnover is the experience and expertise of listening to the children or listening to the parents and what they're saying and providing because you have that experience of dealing with it over time you can look for little keys and nuances that trigger that trigger a response from the workers and so we're going to try to put uh, uh, higher wages in there for them better training for them lower their workload so they can focus on these these kids uh, more intently we're going to open up foster care and adoption, trying to make Tennessee adoption-friendly as possible. I've heard from the speaker that the possibility is that if you adopt a child in Tennessee that's in DCS care, uh, that it would be no, no charge whatsoever, zero, zero fees to there, try, to, try, to, f- try to find homes for these kids. All right, folks, we're about to take a break. There are a couple of issues that are really going to affect our lives right here in Columbia, Tennessee. You hear a whole lot about things, you know, happening in Congress or the legislature, and they don't really have a broad impact on our lives but we've got a couple of things going on here that do and i think scott spicky's going to stick around for a few minutes Mm -hmm. yeah yeah uh two things impact fees uh and or maybe impact fees by another name the whole the concept is growth pays for growth that is probably the most pressing issue going on that was the issue at the top of uh, everybody's list of issues in the fall campaigns last year, growth paying for growth. Second issue is the retention uh, bill in third grade in the, our elementary schools and how that's going to impact uh, elementary education. So these two things will broadly impact this community, and we're going to talk about them when we come back on the other side. This is Barry Duke, and you're listening to 101.7 WKOM Columbia. Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat, you can always count on us for a great selection of late model, low mileage, one owner vehicles. All have been thoroughly inspected and are ready to go. You can even save time and buy online with our online shopping tool. Looking to sell your vehicle? Great news! We're paying top dollar for your trade. All makes, all models, and in any condition. Trade in and trade up today. At Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat, you can count on us. Hello. This is Rick Tillis with Tillis Jewelry in Columbia and Lewisburg, Tennessee. What are you looking for in a jeweler? Knowledgeable staff? Experienced goldsmiths? Or true custom designers? Experienced working with clients creating that perfect gift for a special loved one? Well, you have found them. Tillis Jewelry. We're this and so much more. Check us out at TillisJewelry.com or on Facebook and Instagram to see our latest creations. Tillis Jewelry, Columbia and Lewisburg, Tennessee. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole barn. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. 
This is Elk Kennedy. The old saying is, happy wife, happy life couldn't be more true. Many years ago, my wife, Mary Susan, had major surgery on her back, but continued with chronic pain. Doctors were saying invalid, disabled, but then she found the Dr. Gill Center for Back, Neck, and Chronic Pain in Franklin, Tennessee. It has changed our lives. We visited there recently with Dr. Wendy Tui, saw the state-of-the-art facilities. Folks, don't take a pill. Call Dr. Gill. Go to callmepainfree.com. Kick off the new year with new home upgrades from Hiller. This month, when you buy something you need for your home, we'll give you something you want. For a limited time, when you purchase a new whole home generator, new tankless water heater, or select new HVAC systems, we'll give you a free 55-inch TV, free solo smokeless stove, or a free Nintendo Switch. Pick your prize when you upgrade essential systems for your home. Don't wait. Book online at happyhiller.com today. Call the happy face truck today. Do you want your business advertising to reach more listeners? Not sure how? At Front Porch Radio, we want you to reach more listeners than ever before. Let people know what you do and where to reach you. Right here on Front Porch Radio. It's fast, fun, and easy to get started growing your business today. Contact James Dickinson at 931-446-2028. That's 931-446-2028. Front Porch Radio. We can make your dreams come true. I've got our good friend Miles Johnson on the phone. Miles, how are you today? Oh, I'm great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. All righty. Well, the normal weekly special, we have boneless chuck roast, $4.99 a pound, ground round for $4.29 a pound, green cabbage, $0.49 cents a pound, three-pound bag yellow onions, $1.99 each, and Coca-Cola 12-packs, two for 13 All right. And people can pick up a flyer when they walk in the door there and find out all your great deals. So that's fantastic. And again, as always, you guys are open seven days a week, 7 a.m. to 9 p.m., located right there at 417 West 7th, right in the same plaza as the the post office so everybody can find you so miles you have a great day a great weekend and thank you to, again to you and all the staff and uh, we'll talk to you next thursday okay all right thank you thank you miles all right that's some great deals right there foodland go check them out and uh, the flyer is located right by the door so go in there and check it out Get your peace flag out, put your uh, tie-dyed shirt on, learn how to be a peace-loving dove Democrat again, and get us the heck out of Ukraine before we end up getting nuked. Uh, my name is Del Kennedy. I'm dude number three. Dude number two, Clayton Harris. How you doing? Doing well, Del. Good morning, everybody. Dude number one, Mr. Jim York. How are you? Good morning, Del. Nobody's going to get nuked. Don't you know Putin fakes it and, and Trump bought into it, you know? That's a hell of a game of poker to play, Mr. York. Dude. Well, we played the missile crisis. We did that, you know? Uh, yeah, because we had missile nuclear-tip missiles within 80 miles of the United States. That was a game worth playing. This, and, uh, this ain't. And we had a Democrat president who didn't want a world war. Yeah, yeah. A genuine uh, somebody wanted peace. All right. Kerry Powers, regular special guest dude. How you doing? Excellent. Thank you. Happy Monday. Happy Monday to you. And we are 
Uh, honored and privileged to have with us today State Representative Scott Specky updating us on what's going on in the state legislature. Good morning, Scott. Good morning, Doug. All right, let's hit about four issues real quick, but the first two very quickly. Um, let's see, Clayton, you want to talk about, you know, we, we are getting some traffic on uh, this fellow who's elected king out at Central. By all counts, he's elected fair and square. Uh he is, you know. I assume he's 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 still in school. So I really yeah. don't, I really don't want to talk a lot about it. He was elected fair and square, he was and fair he was and square. by the students, and that'll be the end of it. And you know, regardless of what your politics are, uh, it is a free country, and people can do what they want as long as they're not hurting or offending anyone else. You know, is you know, by all counts, he's very popular. Absolutely nice. Really nice kid. Uh, he likes to wear a little makeup, you know. Uh, and uh, so, What's the, so people have been making an issue of that. Oh, yes, that it, it brings people out, Carrie. Yeah. It's not their kid. Yeah, yep. it brings people out. But I mean, I tell you, for what goes, that's uh, okay. Go ahead. Well, I mean, the guy was elected. I talked to one of the teachers at school yesterday. She said, you know, he's a very popular kid, nice kid, uh, and just was elected fair and square. So uh, that's the end of the story for me. I I just don't see what the problem is here. I mean, they had two prom kings instead of a prom king and queen. I mean, like, why is this an issue? It's just if the kids want to vote that way, fine. I'm just shocked that this is an issue. Um. I'm right there. Oh, with it's you. for the older people. It's an issue, Carrie. It's not an issue for the younger folks. They 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 receive differences a lot better than the older folks. Some some people yeah, they they got other fish to fry at Central. Let's move on. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 we're we're all in agreement on this one, folks. Um, I got a quick message. We'll put to Scott real quick. Uh, the status of 412 between Hohenwald and Mount Pleasant. Uh, What's going on? So I, I believe that question is probably uh, Highway 166, which is the crossover from um, Hohenwald down to Mount Pleasant. The the four lane from uh, from Hohenwald all the way to the Murray County line has been completed. TDOT is now working on. They're going through acquisition and engineering on uh, going into Mount Pleasant. That four lane they built that nice bridge and interchange down there in Mount Pleasant, trying to make that four lanes to gain quicker access not only to the uh, the 412 bypass or the four 43. 43 bypass uh, to provide greater access into Murray County, but also getting south into Pulaski quicker. And so um, TDOT's in the acquisition phase of this. They have run into some issues with underground water and aquifers as you go up over the hills. Um, they're trying to m- mitigate that to figure out how they're going to make that work. But it's uh, it's a project that's funded and moving forward. It's just uh, they're running into some, some some roadblocks with TDOT. Engineering roadblocks. Okay, real quick, two issues that are that are going to change our lives here in Murray County broadly. Uh, one of them is the uh, differing approach to uh, grammar school education, and then the other being impact fees or some kind of fees imposed on development where growth pays for growth. Scott, which one do you want to go first? Well, you've got uh, about 12 minutes. You tell me which one you want, because I could give you two hours on either one of them. Well, let's try to do about six minutes on each one of them. (laughs) First of all, the elementary school thing, here's the status as I understand it. You have in place a third-grade retention bill now. has been passed, been signed by the governor, and is effective this school year, where if a child in elementary school is not performing on third-grade level, 
uh, at the end of third grade, they can be retained or will be retained to repeat third grade. I got that right. So far, so that bill passed two years ago, Del. So, yeah, so that's in place. So everybody has known this this deadline was coming, and once again, we're waiting to the end. And everybody's panicking right now, and so we've had this bill in place for two years. There but, are but it's going to be effective this, this school year, this right? coming school year, and yeah. so the, the, well, the school year we're in, right? Cor- correct. Yeah. So the gist of it is, is we we have a thirty three percent literacy rate in third in third grade in the state of Tennessee. That means thirty three percent of our kids can read and comprehend on grade level. We have got to change that, and we've been struggling here in the thirty percentiles for about a decade. We've plateaued, and that's about it. And so we came up with this legislation that said if a student fails the third grade TCAP test, then steps have to be taken to mitigate them, or they have to be retained. And a lot of the control on the mitigation lies with the parents still. So I'll try to give you as quick as I can to run down on this. We're all going to assume that a student fails the third grade TCAP test. Those are the only ones we're talking about. So here's what has to happen. Number one, they have to let the parents know about right now that your child may be retained based off of their academics current year. So we're giving time for parents to get involved in their students' education, get with their teachers, and try to figure out how we can avoid the situation. If by chance the student still fails the third grade TCAP test, if a student then fails, if they go to summer school and they show improvement and they attend 90% of the time, then they could be moved to the next grade level based off the recommendations of the school system. Moved to fourth grade. Now, folks, what's happened, though, this, the third grade retention bill is in place, will be effective this school year. What The recognition, though, has arisen that earlier intervention may be appropriate. So there is an additional bill on the table in the legislature right now, which would, uh, you would not, let's see, Scott, you would take attend kindergarten and if you are not seven years old or don't test uh, 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 to a certain level you would not be permitted to start first grade you would have to repeat kindergarten at, uh, again perhaps with a different teacher and then start as a seven-year-old uh, in the first grade have i got that right P- pretty close so the, the the bill states that enable to enter first grade you have to be seven years old before the start of school or pass an interest assessment uh, given by the locals. Uh, the locals can create their own, their own assessment. Make sh- they'll have to make sure that the State Board of Education approves it so it's measuring the standards that we want the kids to know coming out of kindergarten. Um, w- the reason why we're looking at this bill is because we've seen a tremendous amount of data that supports the older students, students that might have been quote-unquote held back, started uh, kindergarten when they're six, that they perform at higher levels academically throughout through throughout their 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 years in school so we're looking at that also governor lee the summer school and the tutoring that is provided in the retention bill for third grade to seventh grade governor lee is filing a bill with the general assembly that will be funded that pushes those supports into kindergarten starting in kindergarten so we'll have um, older students possibly going into first grade we'll have the uh, summer school and the tutoring support starting in kindergarten with the goal that when we get to third grade three, four years from now, if a kid fails a third grade TCAP test, it's an anomaly. It's not the standard. Right. So the possibility of retention now move back to uh, kindergarten, whereas if you're not seven years old 
or you haven't successfully passed the test, you do you do a do-over in kindergarten. And it's an assessment, Delk. It's not like a, a traditional test, you know, with multiple choice. Right. It's more of an evaluation assessment that, that the teachers will give the kids, making sure that, that they're prepared to move on to that first they're grade. Ready, they're ready to go, ready ready to take on first grade. That's correct. Uh, seems like common but sense Scott, stuff. they should have intervention across the board from kindergarten all the way up to the third grade. And if we're dependent on one test, uh, at the third grade level to determine if the kid's going to be successful. I think that's kind of crass, but you know, it needs to be intervention. I, I, I have doubts about waiting until a kid gets to third grade. A good teacher can determine in the first six weeks, those students that are not performing at, at the level that they need to. And there needs to be resources and interventions at that period in time. And I'm for having an IEP for every student that's not performing at the level that they need to be. And Mr. York, you could come up and testify for me because that's, that is my precise argument that if you're waiting till third grade, it's too late. We need to make sure, and that's what the governor's doing with the additional supports of summer school and the tutoring. Uh, and the possibility and, of retention in kindergarten. In kindergarten. Let's, let's get them on grade level before they hit first grade, where the academics of, of, a, of a normal school day start to happen, where we're requiring them to have math, English, science, and social studies every day. And so that's what we're trying to do, Mr. York. I agree with you. Waiting till third grade is too late. You've got to get them back in kindergarten, get them on grade level, keep them on grade level, but also... K-1 and 2, make sure you have those supports in place where they can go to summer school, they can get the tutoring to make sure they have, have the intervention for uh, RTI, which is response to intervention that educators know about. It's just, it's all hands on deck, Mr. York. We cannot continue to move kids forward under social promotion because it is killing us on the back end when they get into college and life. Yeah, it seems just like common sense stuff to me. And, and All right, let's move on, though, real quick, because we are running out of time. And the last election cycle folks last fall here locally the question that the issue at the top of everybody's list was growth how how are we going to handle it how are we going to pay for it how can we get growth to pay for growth rather than having the growth uh paid for by the existing tax base uh should growth should new development pay for new development and everything associated with it schools roads bridges uh police fire whatever uh and we a lot of talk was done about an impact fee and scott if you can explain it to us i think the 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 dirty word perhaps in the legislature is impact fee but there's another way to skin the cat perhaps uh an impact fee by another name uh so what's going on there so um Senator Hensley and I, we committed to run the bill again. We ran last year for, for the county commission. They passed a resolution. Uh, Senator Hensley and I filed that bill about a week ago. The county commission voted. They wanted us to pull that bill back. That's the Murray Commission. That's the Murray County Commission. So uh, th- uh, today on the House floor and the Senate floor, Senator Hensley and I will be pulling back the impact fee bill, quote unquote. Okay. There's another bill we're carrying, House Bill 49. It's a caption bill. It deals with uh, basically the word is parity. And the idea from the county commission that they passed a resolution on and other county commissions and other county mayors and city mayors have said that we need to bring parity between the two bodies of the county and the municipalities. The things that the counties can do, the cities should be able to do, and the things that the cities do, the counties should be able to do. And so that's basically the the, the whole gist of of where they're going to go at this, of providing that self-governance, 
that the county commissions and the city governments will have the flexibility to do the things they need to do to make sure that they can have the growth pay for growth, to make sure that the schools are covered, to make sure fire protection is there and police protection is there. The cities have the, the flow of money to pay for water and sewer. And so that's the whole gist of it is what they're going to try to attack it as is just bringing parity across the board that let the locals govern themselves and whatever they deem needed appropriate that they have the ability to do. So potato, potato, uh, what this would do, if I understand it correctly, Scott, is it would allow counties to uh, collect some kind of fee, a fee, you know, a fee by another name from developers where growth pays for growth. Mm-hmm. If I got it right? That's about it, yes. Yeah. So I don't care what you call it. Let's just do it. <laughs> well, that's the that's the goal. That's and, the goal. And, but it's my understanding, though, that you feel that to do it in this approach, it stands a much better chance of passage. In the, in the yeah. Legislature. I mean, the General Assembly does not like the word tax or fee. And so we try to stay away from those as much as we can. And I think that's, you know, under the direction of the county commission, it was probably a wise decision is to pull that bill this, back. This is a strategic decision. Yep. And then we'll go we'll go forward with this other plan they have. Uh, we already got the bill filed. It's House, it's House Bill 49. We're waiting for um, the the uh, um, uh, the county commissions and the mayors to give us the language of the bill of how they want it presented, and then once we have that, we'll start working the members of the general assembly to make sure we have the uh, we have all of our T's crossed and, and I's dotted to make sure this bill will pass. Okay, and that's the, the whole point is to get something done that the legislature will actually pass, and uh, you and Senator Hensley feel as if this is the best approach. Yes. Yeah. So there we go. Don't care what it call it. Just get get some get some money from development to pay for growth. I don't care what the name of it is. Uh, fee, charge, you know, uh, gift. Don't care. Let's just do it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Scott. Right quick. That development in Columbia with that waste uh, plant of uh, preparation of the Mount Sino. I understand that project is still ongoing. What have you heard about it, boy, Mr. York? That's that's a very complex issue. Yes, it is still ongoing. There's a bill that Senator Hensley and I have been asked to file by the Murray County Commission and, and Mayor Butt to protect the Duck River, making it a scenic waterway. Um, if you if you remind me next Monday, Mr. York, ask me that question, and I'll, I'll start off with that ne- next week. Yeah, it's a, that bill's a good thing, and uh, and yeah, let's talk about it next Monday, Mr. York. We'll get Scott back and uh, dig into that one. All right, folks. We will see you tell, tomorrow. Yeah, Mr. York, what's up? Tell, tell the governor to stop saying he's trying to be independent when he's taking COVID rescue money. All right. Have a great day, everybody.